Welcome back to 5050 Films. I'm Autumn. And I'm Peter. It's a kind of random selection of movies this week. Um, my pick was the 2009 Where the Wild Things Are adaptation from the popular children's book. Had you read the children's book ever? Mm-hmm. You had? I had. Yeah. I told Peter this before we watched it, but I have only ever read it in Spanish in my Spanish class. Or maybe, I mean, I can't say that for sure. Like, maybe my parents read it to me and I just don't remember, but I remember reading it in Spanish in Spanish class. Um... Honestly, I was picking based off vibes alone. The day we watched this movie, it had, like, been kind of a long day. It was storming outside, so I, like, was really feeling the vibes of a kid's movie, a family movie. But I also wanted something, like, not necessarily super lighthearted. So I like the idea of this one because it's set in a forest. It's kind of... I think that was the first day it really felt like fall where we live. Um, and that has come in full force and it now feels like fall all the time, but that day that was a a novel thing. So that's kind of the reason I chose this movie. The story is about Max, who feels kind of isolated at home. His sister has kind of outgrown him. She's a teenager now, so she doesn't play with him like she used to. His mom is a single mother trying to figure out how to raise two kids and also have a dating life and a career. Um, And Max just feels kind of left out and like nobody listens to him. He has a big imagination. Uh, He gets in a fight with his mom one night and he runs away and he ends up getting on this boat that he carves his name on. I remember that image specifically from the book. And he goes away to this forest where the wild things are and he meets Carol and Ira and Judith and Alexander and all of the rest. And he sort of just lives with them in the wilderness and he really connects with Carol because Carol also feels kind of ostracized from his group and his family. Like they're not listening to him. So he forms this connection with Carol, but eventually he decides that he has to go back home. Yeah. Unfortunately, we were not very impressed by this movie. (laughs) No, I, it was just kind of weird. It's a horror movie. This is a horror movie for children. I would like you to go into that a little more because I do agree with you. The wild things are, like, terrifying looking. They are facially animated, but the bodies are just people walking, um, which is very disturbing at some points. Some points they look really goofy, but they also, you know, they have, like, teeth and, like, you know, look kind of terrifying. They they have like, they constantly threaten to eat and Ma- to eat threaten to eat Max, um, which is spooky because they just say they eat people all the time. And there are bones like hanging around when he first meets them, <laughs> yeah. like human bones. Um, that at one point one of them gets his arm ripped off, and they just replace it with a stick, which is like, that's that was like bizarre. As um, an adult, it's like. What the heck? It's unsettling. But as a child, I would have been terrified by most of this movie. I, th- I think of movies that scared me when I was a child, and they did less <laughs> than this movie did. Yeah. So, like, 100%, this would have been very scary to me. And it's not something I would, like, want to watch with any future children we may have. It's not something I would show any no <laughs> any children in my life, period. <laughs> to the point where he hides in this one's mouth... 
Um, and they have her mouth, like, distend in this incredibly, like, terrifyingly, like, violent snake-esque way in order for him to climb in. And then he's, like, in her, like, wet, like, it, it makes it seem like she's just an empty mascot mm-hmm. costume, which is even creepier. Um, and then there's just a, the raccoons hanging out in there. There's a raccoon at one point, I figured his name was supposed to be. But, um... So it's like, oh, maybe it's not bad in there. And then right towards the end, like, he's like, I I can't, I'm having trouble breathing. Can you bring me back out? It's like, oh my God, is he like being digested right now? They, then she, the, her pulling him out also looked horrifying. Uh, it is just real, real creepy. <laughs> and I had looked away. She had even <laughs> not seen him go in. Yeah, when he went in, I forget what I was, something, I was doing something with the dog or it was Storm Outside or something. I looked away. Um, so I thought he was, like, in a log or something. Like a hollow log. No, yeah. Hiding. He because he's hiding from Carol because, right? Carol's starting to eat him. Yeah. Carol's upset with him and so he's hiding from Carol. And what's the girl's name? It's something W. Uh, KW. KW, yeah. So KW's hiding him from Carol. And, uh, yeah. So all I saw was her pull him back out and I didn't realize he was in there. So that was, uh, just added a little extra sprinkle of disturbing for me personally. Um, there were parts of the movie that I thought were fun, and I almost wish it had taken, like, a more playful angle than it did, even though that's not necessarily why I even picked to watch the movie in the first place. Like, there's a scene where they're all just, like, running through the woods, um, playing, and then they end up, like, doing a big pile on top of each other, and everyone just seems, like, really happy. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was fun. But there are also just some, like, very sad scenes. And it's... I'm, I'm just, like, not quite sure what this movie is trying to do, I think, is what it comes down to. Because there's, like, obviously some lessons about friendship there. And also about, like, maybe outgrowing, you know, friends. Or, you know, KW is almost kind of like Max's sister in a way, where she had kind of left the group to do her own thing. She has these friends, Bob and Terry, that they reference throughout the movie until we eventually meet them, and they are owls. Um, But she has kind of gone off to do her own thing until Max shows up, and he, to stop them from eating him, claims that he is this very powerful king. And so everyone just sort of follows along with what he says. That's why they don't eat him. And KW sort of comes back to see how this is all going to play out. But it's still very clear that she's, like, kind of moving on past this, like, friend-family arrangement that she had been a part of. Yeah. That kid has zero sense of self-preservation. Like, like, like... Would you, if you saw a group of giant creatures blowing through, like, these, what was supposed to be their houses, like, kind of violently? Yeah, the entrance Would you have just, like, ran right in and be like, yeah, let me help! Like, all these things with giant teeth and huge fucking mouths and stuff. Like, that kind, that kid would have gotten murdered in, like, the Ice Age. It, it, someone just bit him in half. Well, he, um, when he first arrives, all, he's watching from, like, behind a rock, and Carol is smashing everyone's houses, and no one understands why. And what gets me is he also doesn't understand why. 
But he sees that, like, Carol is feeling left out in this group of others, and so he runs in and also starts smashing their houses. But then later on in the movie, they've created this, like, gigantic, cool fort, which honestly, that was probably one of the better parts of the movie as well, is them all working together to build this really cool fort. Um, But then he starts destroying that once he's not happy anymore, and Max kind of realizes, like, oh, maybe this is something he just does. It's not like, it wasn't a one-time thing. Like, he gets mad at everyone and then he destroys things. Which is what Max did in the very opening scene of the movie because his he got mad at his sister and so he went and trashed her room. Yeah. So that's another kind of parallel between Carol and Max. And Max is seeing, like, oh, maybe it's not so great to, like, react that way when you're upset. Yeah. So, like I said, there are, like, things to be learned in this. But I'm just, like, not quite sure what kind of direction it was going in or what. There's no overarching lesson. There's just little sprinkles of, like, oh, you could take this away, you could take that away. But at the end of it, he kind of just leaves them behind and and moves on himself. Yeah. So you rated this boring. Yeah, I did. And I rated it underwhelming. Um, to, to add insult to injury, like I said, we were watching it during a storm, so it did shut off once or twice. Yes. Um, during the movie, making it a little bit longer than it even was. It was, it wasn't, it was almost boring for me. I think we're, like, pretty much on the same page with this movie. It was alright, It wasn't really anything special. Uh, Peter makes a very good point when he says that it's just very strange that this is a children's movie because there are parts of it that are very disturbing. Bizarre and disturbing and just creepy looking. I'm not a guy who likes puppets. Yeah, you've mentioned that when we watched uh, Across the Universe. (laughs) So, yeah, I just horrific looking monstrosities but hey you gotta watch some bad ones so that we have something to talk about at our end of the year wrap up all right this is a pretty short discussion for this movie unlike last week when we freaking waxed philosophical on metal lords for an hour yeah but, but that movie was fun this movie really... was just un- unenjoyable and i know but sometimes we have like more to say when something's yeah. bad but i think i think that's the key right is it wasn't like oh my gosh, I absolutely hate this bad. It was just like, I don't really want to be watching this bad. So there's not too much to say. So we'll just move right on into our media break and talk about some things that maybe we're a little more excited about. Well, starting this media break off with the movies separately category has really been biting us in the butt these last couple times because that's probably what we do the least. And now that we're busy, we're like doing it even less. So... Uh, I did not watch any movies without Peter this week. I don't think I watched any movies either. Just uh, didn't have time. We also did not watch Jane the Virgin, so we uh, have not watched... This is going to be a short episode. I have, I have some books and stuff to talk about. Oh yeah, you do have about. books to talk about. This, that'll yeah. be good. That'll be good. We'll be alright. Otherwise. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's slow. 
as far as TV separately, I have still been watching season 11 of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, and I also this week picked back up with Cheers. Like I said in the first section of the podcast, it is finally starting to feel like fall where we are, and I just... There's something about Cheers. I think it's because it's all set in one bar. You're, like, in this one primary location with familiar characters that you get to know. Like, by episode three, it's like, yes, I already love it and know everybody. And so there's something so comforting about watching a show like that when the weather gets cold. So I've been really in the mood to watch Cheers, and I'm glad that I have started to pick it back up. I really want to get back into The Mandalorian. I watched one episode of season two. And I haven't picked it back up again since. But similarly to what I was saying, now that the weather's a little bit colder, I'm like in a fantasy, sci-fi kind of mood. So hopefully I can get back into The Mandalorian. I would like to finish season two by the end of the year, at the very least. And there's no reason that I couldn't. Yeah, uh, separately, I'm really trying to think. I had tried to watch some stuff. I really, like... Work is, like, kind of kicking my ass when it comes to what I want to consume when I get home. So I've basically just been playing video games, and I have not been watching stuff. I wanted, I think last week I had mentioned Cyberpunk. I wanted to watch it. I haven't gotten to it yet. Like, a lot of stuff I want to watch with my friends, too, so I just don't have the time at night. And it just, you know, just not working out. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of bare this week when it comes to that. Uh, books? I finished two books, so that's primarily what I have to talk about this week. So I finished both books that I mentioned last episode. I finished Small Angels by Lauren Owen, which I rated four stars. That was a sort of, like, thriller mystery set in this little village where the woods could take stories and keep them forever. It was perfect for this time of year because it is, at its heart, a ghost story. So I really liked it because it's a ghost story that's consumable by people like me who don't like horror books necessarily. Um, so I like to find things that feel festive but aren't scary for Halloween. So there's a lot of stuff out there if that's something you're interested in. There's like some really fun like witchy romances. Last year I read The X-Hex by Erin Sterling, which I really enjoyed. She just came out with a sequel to that which I have not picked up but could have because it was a book of the month option, but there were just too many good options. So um, I did not get to that. And I also finished Tess of the D'Urbervilles, which feels like a freaking marathon over. I am very sad because I, like, kind of hated this book. No. <laughs> and, it, and it took so much of my life away, first of all. It took so long to read. And I'm if I hadn't had the audiobook, there's no way I would have finished it. How many it. pages is it when it's a paper book? Um, I don't actually know the answer to that. Okay. Um, I'm sure it varies. That's the thing with classics, too. Is like It very much varies per edition. Yeah. But I read Thomas Hardy. My undergraduate degree is in English. And I read Thomas Hardy for an undergrad class, and I really enjoyed it. I read two of his books. I read Jude of the Obscure and Far From the Matting Crowd. And Tess of the D'Urbervilles is arguably what Thomas Hardy is most well-known for. So I was really excited when I started to do this classics challenge with my dad. and That was one of the first things on my list because I expected that I would really like it. And unfortunately, it just really fell flat for me. I gave it two stars. This is basically a rape story, so if that's something, 
you know, that is triggering for After you. the Nerve Rebels is? Mm-hmm. It is, I think, generally, like, about almost 600 pages. See, that's not even that long. No. It just felt like it took forever. It's originally published in 1891. Yeah. It just... <laughs> This girl, basically, the idea of Tess of the D'Urbervilles is Tess's father, so Tess is actually Tessa Derby Field, and her father finds out that maybe their family is connected to this wealthy family, the D'Urbervilles, so they send Tess to that family to try and convince them to, like, include them and give them money and things like that, and basically she's raped by her cousin there. She gets pregnant, but the baby dies, and now she, like, has to live her life in shame. Basically, she starts working on this farm, and this uh, rich gentleman falls in love with her, and he wants to marry her, but she doesn't... She loves him, but is like, I can't get married because I basically am already someone else's wife, because that's how it worked then. She had sex with him, um, even though she didn't want to have sex with him. Uh, But then she does eventually marry this other guy, and then when he finds out that she had been raped, he is horrible to her and, like, leaves her all alone. Um, But then eventually he comes back for her, um, and she murders the other guy. You can't... Usually I tiptoe around spoilers, but this is a classic novel, so there are no spoilers. And also I'm here telling you not to read it, so just don't read it. Um... Yeah, this was a major disappointment for me because classics can be hit or miss, but I had already liked things by this author, and yeah. So I'm taking a break from classics now. I'm listening to, on audiobook, a book called The Little Book of Cottage Core. I really like those, like, little fun books. Like, I, I read the book about uh, Huga, the Danish concept of, like, coziness, and so Peter got me Legome, which is the Swedish kind of happiness book, which I read and liked, and I have another one here on my shelf called Nixon. Um, And this is a book very similar to that. It's basically just like, you know, recipes and just simple things for how to live like a more pastoral lifestyle. And then the book I am reading physically is called Fiona and Jane. It is a past book of the month book that I had read about two best friends. I'm only like maybe 20 pages into that so i can't say much about it yet okay i haven't read any books uh this is gonna be the peter only played destiny this week and did nothing else okay um but uh but i my book stack so we're going on vacation uh this coming weekend so we'll have lots of time to read my book stack that I'm bringing there is I'm going to bring The King in Yellow to finish. I'm already halfway through it. It's just short stories. So it's been going pretty quickly. I usually get like, when I was reading in bed, I would like get like maybe one story done a night because I wasn't really trying to read a whole lot. We got to get back into the routine of yes. reading before bed. Um, I'm bringing the Beer Anthology. I don't know if that's going to work out. Uh, that's the one I'm going to try to read last because, I mean, I work at a library so I'm not going to I'm not gonna, it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to check it out for, to myself until somebody yells at me. Um, but the other two books I'm trying to read that I think are going to get done is I'm bringing Patrick O'Brien's Master and Commander. Um, I've heard really good things about it. Um, and it's just been sitting on my shelf for probably like 10 years. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a huge series. So... Uh, but they're, I think they're semi-disjointed, so that you don't have to read them necessarily in order, um, or, this is the first one, but you don't have to read them like, you know, they're not like back to back to back to back to back, 
they, I think they kind of are, but they're not, you know, it's, it's not like you're missing out if you read one from the middle. Um, they're just designed to be that way. So I'm excited for that one. That's like a, a nautical, like, Navy ship captain book. Um, and then the last one I'm going to read on our on our vacation is the portrait, or A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by James Joyce. Um, I have a really fun-looking uh, paperback version that we got in, at, what's it called, Blue? What's the Canadian bookstore? Indigo. Indigo. Hey, is close. that where you got that? Yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. That one and then the Chekhov book I read I last year. I remember you and then, got uh, classics. Coming up for air as well. Oh, There's three. okay. They just look so good. If I had more money, I probably would have bought a couple more of them because they were like these really cool looking uh, covers. Um, but I'm going to read that. That's... It doesn't look very thick. I've heard that Joyce is dense, um, but I'm I'm excited to give it a go. Next week you'll you'll be I able should have to... it. Yeah, I'll know. I'll know if Joyce is dense <laughs> next week. Um, I'm also gonna bring some video game stuff and some other stuff or while we're on our little cabin vacation. But I'm probably gonna read most, like mostly. Um, I just I like to use our cabin vacations as an excuse to just read. Yeah, so hopefully next week our media break will be pretty well-rounded uh, because that's the whole plan is we've been in a very busy season of lots of working and it, we're just we're ready to take a break and just do a bunch of reading and we're hoping to watch the movies while we're there. Um, so we'll be able to report back next week. Maybe I'll play some Animal Crossing. Who knows? The, the, the world is ours for the taking. Daring today, aren't we? I know. I might plant some flowers. Might you know catch some bugs. It's gonna be great. Yeah. So we're gonna move on to our next movie, Peter's pick for the week. Yep. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? That was so loud. We just peaked your eardrums with Rush Hour. Our second movie of the week. I was very excited to pick this movie. I was just kind of browsing through Netflix comedy stuff. I think they got all three of them. I don't know if we'll watch all three of them. I know the first two are supposed to be really good. Um, the be, third one was okay. I watched that one. I'd be down. I remember the one. third one a little better. Um, I don't... I So I know I've seen the first one. And when I get to scenes, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. I remember this location. Right, that they were doing stuff in, and there's a couple of those classic lines, like the one I just said. Um, there's the the one where he finds his gun after it gets kicked through a window. Um, there's just a bunch of fun stuff that happens in this movie, um, and I think that Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, with the roles that they are given, are absolutely hilarious together. They ha they have chemistry for sure. And so, and that's why they made three of them. They like these guys have chemistry. We got to keep making these movies. But yeah, this twenty twenty two is the year of the cop movies. For yeah, sweaty cop <laughs> movies. So this the story of Rush Hour um, is Jackie Chan uh, plays Lee, the tech, a, a detective inspector or something like that um, from the Hong Kong Police Department. Um, there's a man in Hong Kong who does such a good job they promote him to being the consul of for the China for China and the United States, right? So the Chinese consul um, moves to China with his daughter. His daughter is like Jackie Chan. His character Lee um, trained his daughter in martial arts, and like you know, they're they're good friends. They he cares for her very deeply. Um, his daughter's like ten, right? Um, so this guy moves to the U.S. Uh, after 
after having secured this victory over this crime lord in Hong Kong. Um, and then two years later, uh, his daughter gets kidnapped, um, and he immediately has Lee fly to the U.S. to help. Um, Chris Tucker's character Carter um, is like a... He's like the the kind of like playing it loose cop in the buddy cop movie. There's right? always, I'm, I'm noticing the pattern. There's always the, I don't need a partner guy. Yes, there's the straight man and there's the, I don't need a partner guy. Who's like just playing it loose with the law and is like only kind of, you know, like doing his like job when it comes to like the, the main, the normal stuff, you know, Starsky and Hutch yes. vibes. Yeah. Big Starsky and Hutch vibes mm-hmm. in, in that, in that style. Right. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we watch uh, Lee's chemistry with Carter, you know, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Um, Jackie Chan, when he gets to the U.S., uh, he, he, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't, say, he doesn't pretend he doesn't speak English, but he just refuses to reply and lets Chris Tucker just, like, keep spitting out word vomit, essentially, and, like, you know, mad at him until it becomes necessary for him to say words in English to somebody else. And then Chris is like, wait, are you, you, you lied to me. Like, you said you couldn't speak English. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was very fun. Like, they, they go through this whole rigmarole and ordeal. Um, a lot of really cool, like, kung fu-style fights. You're seeing, like, these, these crazy, the crazy martial arts. This is younger Jackie Chan as well. You know, this is, this is 88. Is that, do we get a definite, uh, year for this movie? Uh, yeah, 98. 98. 98. Okay, so it's late 90s. Um, so Jackie Chan's, like, 20 years younger than he is now, and he had already been in a whole bunch of, like, you know, kung fu movies and stuff like that before now, but he's, he's still, I think he, I don't even know how old Jackie Chan is now, but, you know, this is, like, 20 years ago, and it, it he looks good, you know, he, he's doing all these crazy moves and, like, jumping through windows, like, Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee were, like, crazy in the amount of, like, parkour they'd do. And they'd do all their own stunts because they mm-hmm. could do all and their own stunts. And you see that. There's a blooper <laughs> section at the end, and you can see him. You can watch him doing his own stunts yeah. and messing up a little bit and having to redo them. And, and stuff, like, hurting really himself cool. a little. Like, oh, he hit his tailbone, like, <laughs> yeah. on, a, on a jump. Like, so we need to watch that, and they just have a really good chemistry, and they kind of go through this whole, like, investigation process trying to figure out... Um, through Chris Tucker's, like, underground connections and through a guy that he, you know, had just put away in the, like, intro for his character, um, figure out where these drops are going to be, and they end up saving the day. Uh, yeah, a huge conflict is that the U.S. does not want Lee yes, involved in this investigation, so they actually send Tucker to babysit him, quote-unquote, yeah. uh, to make sure that he doesn't get involved, which obviously doesn't work <laughs> at all. Uh, it doesn't work before they team up, and then they team up, and it really doesn't work. So, Yeah, this is like, this is like uh, I think part of the idea behind this was the success of Beverly Hills Cop. And having kind of a fish-out-of-water cop in an area, right? Which we have watched. We watched it last year. So yes. we don't have a podcast episode for it, but we watched it with my parents. Which we watched the fun. first one, yeah. Yeah, because it was one of my dad. My dad made us a whole... Was that an 80s list? I think it was an 80s I think so, movie yeah. List. That was an 80s movie, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, there's that whole idea that you get some, like... You, you have, like, 
like a like a like an inner city cop who's just like slinging out slang and just you know super comfortable like talking about all this about all these like crazy things and like and talking with these like confidential informant kind of people um and then you have like you know this this straight man of course they did it a little different because you know in beverly hills cop um axel is the fish out of water mm-hmm. whereas in this one the straight man is the fish out of water it's not the mm-hmm. like the goofy cop so it, it but it, it just works so well they have it's it's like almost indescribable how good their chemistry is. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, Chris Tucker's like teaching Jackie Chan some like dance moves, like how to like you know like kind of groove around with some of the music that's going on, and then Jackie Chan like teaches him like how to how to like grab somebody's gun and flip it around on him, <laughs> which he does at the end of the movie. He flips the gun guy's gun around him. He's like, didn't know I could do that, did you? <laughs> like. Yeah, there's this trope in, in like, romance novels that, specifically, that people really like called slow burn romance, which is basically, like, it takes a whole book for them to get together Mm -hmm. and, like, the payoff is so good. And I'd say this movie is, like, slow burn friendship. Mm -hmm. Like, it takes a a decent amount of time for Lee and Carter to, like, genuinely build that friendship, but because of that, it just seems so real and you're so invested because you've just watched them get to that point. It takes almost the whole movie for them to, like, actually like each other. Um, so I did really like that aspect of it. I liked the beginning scene where uh, Carter, Chris Tucker's character, was introduced. I thought that that was really fun. I guess It's not the beginning scene, but it's the beginning scene for Carter. Um, because, obviously, I, I had... I shouldn't say obviously, but I had never seen this before, so I didn't know anything about the character. And so you have this scene where Chris Tucker's meeting up with this other guy. He's got these, like, bombs. He's got a C4. Yeah. Um, which becomes very mm-hmm. relevant later on in the movie. Um, and you can just kind of tell some things up. And then the cops pull up on them. And I immediately was like, I feel like this guy, Carter, is actually a cop. Like, I feel like he's an undercover cop. But then you watch the other guy pull out a gun when Carter is talking to the cops, telling them to back off. And so I was like, oh, maybe the other guy's the cop. Like, that, I really didn't think that was how this was set up. And they just, like, it, it's just, like, four minutes of complete, like, what is going on? Wait a second, I thought this, but now it's this. It was, it was very satisfying to me as a viewer. And then to have it come around and, like, my initial assumption was correct, he is the undercover cop, I, I just enjoyed, that was, like, four minutes with great payoff. Yeah. At the end of the four minutes. There's a reason there are so many movies like this. Like, the formula just works. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's just fun. Yeah. And, and the characters are... It's something that can work for everyone because, like... I mean, the action is great. And the more I watch movies, the more I can appreciate something like that. But I'm definitely... I say this all the time. I'm freaking broken record. But I'm, like, very character-focused. And these sorts of movies always have great characters as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just something like everyone has something that they can hold on to. The girl who played the little girl, <laughs> she was phenomenal. I want to look her up. Yeah. I want to see what she's up to these days, see if we can watch her in anything else. There's this just like great little scene. It's actually right before she's kidnapped, unfortunately. But she's like singing in the car at the top of her lungs. She's got these two chauffeurs driving her. And oh my gosh, she was just so great. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, she was good. I, I think the, some of the fight choreography, I mean, like, we talked about how Jackie Chan's so good as well. The fight choreography in these, in this movie is so good. It's got all the, like, you know, 
the fighting like fists and slinging out fists and, and feet and all that stuff like beating each other up but Jackie Chan uses his environment so much like he's either jumping off of something or he ends up like throwing something at somebody and it knocks him out like at the in the bar fight he like grabs the stool his feet and swings it up and slams the dude oh, in the face with it so and like there's just like they there must those takes must be a pain in the ass because if they if they mess it up they gotta like reset like three things that break during the scene yeah like like the part in the bar like he's there's that that little hanging glass lamp over the pool table and he like slams a dude's head into it just like shatters and like you know massive crunching shatter and it's like oh they have to rehang that if they mess this up like it would be like brutal I'm just like you know that's it, it. It's just so fun to like see how he uses the environment, how like things get picked up, and he's trying to keep that gun out of that dude's hands. He like kicks it, moves it, folds the rug over on top of it. <laughs> it's under, <Yeah>. flings it. <laughs> just so much like movement to keep this like to keep it going. And I think that's why Jackie Chan's so fun to watch in action scenes. You just see all all these like. And they're, they're, like, comical, too. Like, it's comical. Like, when he, like, folds the rug over, it's like, no! Yeah. <laughs> it's this crazy, like, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think that's a huge part of why some of these movies are, like, more successful for me than others. I liked that there were guns in the movie, like, and there needed to be. Cops, yeah, there were shootouts. Guns, people got shot but, and stuff like that. But there was so much other action yes. beyond that. Like, there was so much hand-to-hand combat, which is honestly, like, personally, but I also feel kind of just, like, as a whole, more enjoyable to watch because it's actual, like, I, I don't know. There's just something so much more satisfying to watching that than to mm-hmm. just watching a shootout. Um, so... Yeah. Because Chris, so Chris Tucker, like, obviously Jackie Chan's fighting style is the kung fu martial arts stuff. Chris Tucker's, he's the gun guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's the one who's shooting at people. Um, I think what's kind of cool, have you ever seen anyone in a movie fire their gun at a car that's leaving and actually hit the car and or damage the car in a way that it has to stop? <laughs> In um, any other movie besides this one, because no, it happens twice so. in this movie. Yeah, it does, and I can think of both times. Yeah, like right. it's absolutely it's, it's absurd because, like you know, in so it was like oh he's driving away, like firing and it's hitting nothing and like it's like okay, are you guys blind? Like you yeah. know, there's a car. It, it's the car. And in this movie, like, there's, like, two two scenes where Chris Tucker's, like, a car's leaving because there's, like, nails, like, five shots in the back of it, takes out the windshield, hits a tire, <laughs> pops the gas tank or something like that. It's like, man, <laughs> he's a good shot. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, there is a lot that goes on. <clears throat> the ending scene, the kind of, like, culmination of the kidnapping scenario is they have a little girl in a C4 vest, um, and she... It basically, Chris Tucker's able to save her, but then she's like, you can't put, take the vest off because I heard them saying it was going to explode. Um, so there's this just giant fight between so many people. You find out that the the British guy who the consul thought was working with him was actually the one who was behind the kidnapping of his daughter. Mm-hmm. There's a great scene in that whole thing. So Lee, Jackie Chan's character, says they're in this like art show and it's all like ancient chinese artwork Mm -hmm. uh, pottery just very fancy expensive relics yeah and and lee is like 
telling Tucker about how that's that's his history, that's important to him. And so during the big fight scene in that room, he is trying to like save vases that are falling down while at the same time fighting the the enemies. <laughs> the whole big a whole big scene where he's fighting two guys at the same time and also trying to make this giant six foot tall vase like stop falling and he's like He's, like, pushing it up a little bit and then punching a couple guys and then, like, catching it again and, like, trying to pick it back up. And then he eventually knocks them both out, lifts the vase the whole way up, starts to walk away, and someone shoots it, and it just shatters. It's just, like, that's, like, great physical comedy. And it's just, it's so good. Because as an audience member, you're like, aw. <laughs> it just works so hard. And he's like, aw. <laughs> they keep going. Yeah, but that, yeah. those types of scenes are, are the highlight. Of this movie. Yeah, I, I thought it was great how immediately, like, he talks about, I have your, your there's six blocks of C4 strapped around your daughter, I have the detonator right here, and there's, like, all, a little bit of distraction, because I was like, I'm just gonna leave, and he leaves, goes outside, finds the weird white truck parked outside, and immediately takes control of the situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, another, another, drives it through the wall. <laughs> another example of how great this little girl uh, actresses is is that scene when they come in because Chris Tucker has this thing he does it with he does it a few times in the movie actually but he just is like go ahead press the button blow yeah. her up go ahead well, yeah. and the little girl's like looking at him like what the heck he's like just play along so she's doing the same thing she's like go ahead press the button blow me up yeah yeah he's like he's like I got this just play along <laughs> she's like yeah go ahead blow me up and eventually she you know, gets so into it that he has to, like, pull her back a little bit. The whole idea being, of course, that, you know, now she's so close that if he were to detonate it, it would yeah. kill everyone in the room. Like, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be like a... He's basically in it, unable to use the detonator now because yeah. he's, she's too close. And he's in there. Yeah. And he's, like, right next to her. <laughs> yeah. She, like, starts getting too excited. He, like, grabs her and kind of pulls her back. She's great. Her character is great. It's a, it's unfortunate she had to be kidnapped for the movie because I, I could have done with more of her. <laughs> she was funny. She was very funny. And just, like, so animated. Yeah, she keeps beating up Jackie trying to punch him in the stomach. <laughs> you know? Like, like you left! <laughs> You're leaving! Why aren't you coming with us? <laughs> uh, yeah, and that scene... So we had a, this weird issue with our subtitles where if you watch this movie with English subtitles, for some reason they never... Whoever created the English subtitle version didn't port the Chinese to English subtitles over. So you have to turn the subtitles off to see the Chinese translations. Because if you're watching it in English, it just says speaking Chinese. And then it's just blank for the whole <laughs> conversation. It's like, great. Thanks, guys. These already existed, but I don't know why you didn't put them in there. But So we're uh, so we're watching, and the part of the scene is like she's asked, she's like worried about going to America. He's like, don't worry. Everyone in America is really nice. And then it immediately cuts to Chris Tucker, like, swearing while driving through L.A. traffic in order to get to, like, meet with this arms dealer guy. That was really funny. <laughs> that was funny. Basically, Chris Tucker's character's dream is to be in the FBI, but the FBI is, is the group of people who don't want Lee working with them. So by the end, he gets offered a position to work with them, and he's like, nah, no thanks, I'm LAPD, which is pretty cool. I definitely would be down to watch the other ones yeah it'd be fun yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'll, I'll pull it at some point I usually I can get a little pissy when Peter picks movies he's already seen cause like he does it a lot 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> swear, I movies... was a child when I watched this movie last. Like, I might have been, like, 12. Okay. You know, it's been a long time. A lot of the movies Peter has already seen without me are because they're movies that he would be watching with his friends. Because at this point, Peter and I have been together for, like, almost nine years. So, we've watched a lot of movies together. So, if it was watched without me, maybe there was a reason. But I am really glad you picked this. And I have to say, I was going to rate it entertaining. I haven't written anything down yet. But since we've been talking about it, I think it's a memorable Yeah, it's really good. It's a great movie. Is that what you would rate yeah, it to? Yeah, I probably would too, yeah. Uh, hey, Chris Tucker just knocks it out of the park with the, with the jokes, you know? It just, it makes me happy to think about. So I don't think I can rate it anything under a memorable, because I do think I'm going to remember certain scenes mm-hmm. and... Um, I, I definitely want to watch the other ones sometime as well. Maybe not right away, because I don't typically like to do that either, but but we'll see. Yeah. So that's it from us this week. A little low energy, but I hope we ended it off a little more positive. Yeah, it's more animated. This is well, was almost 20 minutes talking about uh, talking about Rush Hour. It was a good yeah. movie. So hopefully... We... I'm blaming where the wild things are for... <laughs> why that, that's also we're both exhausted and i hate to get on here every week and be like we're so busy we're so tired but like we are we had a major schedule change we're like still adjusting it's it's just there's a hurricane like two days ago <laughs> with nor'easter coming in you know and everything got canceled all work and school got canceled today because of this flooding that was supposed to happen but then didn't happen our life is weird right now, so I'm just going to have to say it every week because it's just how it is. But we are yeah. going on vacation, you know, unless that flooding comes late for some reason. I shouldn't. Um, and so hopefully next week we'll have two good movies to talk about and a, and a nice, a nice uh, full media break for you. Yeah. So we will talk to you then. <laughs>